morning. It's good to see everybody. It's, uh, I tell you, it's, uh, we're, we're in the summertime. A lot of people are traveling and out of town, but uh, we're glad that you are in town and have chosen to come and to worship the Lord together this morning. We welcome you. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially today. We have some visitors with us, and we're glad that you're here and uh, have chosen to be a part of our fellowship today, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family this morning. One of the things we like to do is to greet each other in the name of the Lord. The the Lord tells us to greet each other as you would greet Christ. So uh, let me invite you to stand up and turn around and spend a moment of greeting each other and find somebody you don't know. You know, it looks like you're having such a good time. I hate to call you back to order here, but... uh, we have other things to do today, and, uh, and, and but we're glad that uh, for that opportunity to spend a moment of fellowshipping with one another. It's good to have a church that likes to fellowship with one another, so we're grateful for that. Uh, let me call to your attention a few announcements that we have this morning. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. They're on the uh, inside of each row. I'd like to ask, if you would, to take that and pass it down the row and pass it back uh, so we can have a record of your, your attendance with us. Uh, if you could uh, fill that out as fully as possible, we're in the process of transitioning between a co- uh, two different computer programs. And uh, so we need to make sure that we have uh, complete information and correct information on as many people, on everybody, actually. So if you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Today uh, is the day uh, we, we will be going on an outing this afternoon uh, down to uh, Badgett Playhouse in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. We'll be going down to uh, to watch the musical Cotton Patch Gospel, and uh, many of you have signed up. I think we have about 31 folks that are going down uh, from our congregation today uh, to enjoy this musical. It'll be a great time together. Uh, we are under a little bit of a time crunch because it starts at um, 3 o'clock this afternoon, and so I'm going to try to preach quickly today. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I'd get an amen out of that one. We need to be back and meet here at the church. For those of you who are going to the Cotton Patch Gospel, we need to be back and meet here at the church no later than one o'clock. Okay, so that'll give us enough time to get down there. Uh, It takes about an hour and 15 minutes or hour and 30 minutes or so to get down there. So that'll give us plenty of time to get down there and make sure everybody's in their place so we can get our tickets and distribute them and find our seats before three o'clock. So please be here uh, by one o'clock if you're going to the Cotton Patch Gospel today. And then afterwards, we'll enjoy a a time of... uh, uh, of sharing a meal together at the famous Patty's restaurant, and uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So uh, look forward to that that day. Some other things that are coming up. Uh, August is just a couple of days away, which means school is just a few days away. I think it begins next Friday. And that means that upward basketball and cheerleading is right around the corner. We will be uh, distributing flyers, um, not this next week, but the following week in the schools. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. We will be coming to you asking for volunteers uh, in different areas. It's a very big ministry that we have, but a very important ministry. So I hope that you'll uh, volunteer in some way to, to be a part of this. Um, we will be having a kickoff banquet on August the 15th. That's a Wednesday night here at the church, and that's for volunteers and anybody else. This is for our whole church. 
uh, to involve itself in the upward ministry. So we invite you to come and be a part of that on August the 15th. Uh, school begins next week, as I said, which means that uh, we will also begin um, get into full swing with the things that we have going on here at church. Uh, we've taken some time off with our Wednesday programs during the summer, but we'll be uh, jumping back into that very quickly. Uh, we'll be having our, our Wednesday's dinners not beginning this week, but the following week, August the 8th, we'll beginning. Uh, we'll uh, begin to have our Wednesday dinners every week again and the music program uh, uh, that uh, is so important to our ministry here. So please take note in your worship folder uh, the times and the opportunities for Wednesday evening. We're here to worship the Lord together today, and we are glad to be a part of that and to be able to do that. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Living God, as we turn to you, we turn from old habits and old patterns, casting them aside like an old coat that suddenly become too small. We turn from pride to seek a new humility. We turn from greed to find compassion. We turn from complaining to show forgiveness. Even as we worship you this morning, O God, we pray that you would transform our lives and clothe us in your love. In the name of Jesus, who gives us new life, we pray. Amen. One crown here with many crowns, all those verses. Let's stand as we do this.
Charles. You need to come on down here this morning and be in this area and uh, say if you need help with somebody else, you want somebody to come with you, that's great too. And uh, that always works out. And Miss Mary is going to be sharing with you this morning. Jake, you're the only guy. Are you going to sit over there? All right, you guys. If you looked in your program today, it says John Dunham. Ariel, am I John Dunham? This happened to me last Sunday, too. Guess what? John's working today. He had to go to Louisville, and then he's coming straight back to work. So you have to put up with me again. Maggie, what's a key do? If you have a key, it unlocks stuff. Look at these keys. We're going to talk about keys, okay? This key right here, you see this key? If I put it in this hole, what's it going to do? It's going to unlock it. Here's some little keys. I have a box that these go to at home. Do you guys know you can be keys too? You can be a key maker. And if I turn this key right here, it opens that, doesn't it? How is and look at this key. Whoa, baby, that's a big door. <laughs> this is just hang on the wall. This is a decoration, okay? When you guys start back to school this Friday, did you guys know you could be key makers? Let me tell you how you can be a key maker. Pardon? I didn't hear you. Drawing? You could draw one. Yes, I'm sorry, Jake. Your mom's a little hard of hearing this morning. In the book of Matthew, Jesus talked to Peter, and Jesus said to Peter, I will entrust to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Hmm, That's how you guys can be key makers. Whatever you declare bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now, you guys might not be going to school yet, some of you, but most of you are going to school. Have you ever walked into your classroom and you see somebody that's having a very bad day? Do you know you can be a key maker and you can open that door and help those people have a good day? And sometimes, even when you walk in that classroom the very, very first time, there may be new people to your school. Do you think they may need a friend? Yeah, so this is how you can be a key maker. Kels, can you come here and get these, please? And then I'll let you pass them out. The very first line says... You can make a difference, be a key maker, okay? And Jesus wants you to do kind things for each other. Don't think of yourself, think of others. What's the second line say? Some people see a closed door and turn away. Don't turn away. Keep knocking at that door. If your friend's having a really bad day, you keep trying to be their friend. What's the next line say? Others see a closed door and try the knob. Maybe if you're trying to do something really sweet for somebody else and you're not thinking of yourself, but they really don't want you to help them, you just keep trying to open that doorknob. What's the next line say? All right, they find a key. Now that door doesn't want to open because that person doesn't want to let, kind of doesn't want to let you be a friend to them, but you keep trying. You keep finding a key. You keep trying to, trying to do good things for that other person, okay? Will you promise you'll do that? Okay. What's the last line say? If the key didn't fit, they make one. 
if that key doesn't fit, and that means if that friend still won't let you come come into their life and be nice to them, you keep trying. Don't think of yourself. Think of that other person. And you find a key to open that door. Does that make sense? You just keep trying to do good for others. And that is your key to heaven. That's what God wants you to do. Okay? Let's say a real quick prayer, and then Kelsey will give you one of these to take to school with you. Ready? Dear Heavenly Father, as these children leave your house today, you give them just the strength to be a key maker. Guide them to think of you and others first as they find their own key to heaven. Amen. Kelsey will give you a sheet. Thank you, guys. After you get your sheet, you can go back to your seats. And now John owes me one and Greg Gibson owes me one. One week from today is when we go to Burdett Park with kids and we say about first grade. We really, with Burdett Park in particular, that's not a place we're going to take a four-year-old and say, go have fun. Uh, and we go somewhere else. No, we don't do that. Now, if we have a parent that wants to go and bring them with us, we're glad to have them. But otherwise, we have water slides and places to dive and places with shallow water to play in and a lot of things. We'll be a little bit later than our usually field trips. Probably won't be back to 4, 4.30 or something of that nature at least, the time we get over there and all that kind of thing. We will have lunch before we leave. Uh, so we'll stay from worship, have lunch, and they'll be heading for there. So if you know somebody in grades 1 through 6 or so, that wants to be with us, be sure to tell them we got the prices there. I think it's five dollars for un- eleven and under, and uh, six fifty or something like that for those that are older than that. But we pass that word on. We're glad to have that. Notice our schedule in there for the choir things. There is a new group we're starting this year for older boys and girls. That is a drama group, and uh, any of those that want to be in that, if they want, to, if you want to serve in worship like what we're doing today. Uh, in drama and readings and all those things, that's where we're going to do that. So I won't be calling on the phone and just setting things up. It'll be from that Wednesday night activity uh, for older boys and girls. So that will be a neat thing. We have a lot of folks gone and on trips, and this is probably the last hurrah for a lot of folks uh, before school starts Friday. Uh, our organist, Nibby, is away today, and uh, Jika is away, and Jika's helper for the last two, t- two times, Tina Belcher, could not be here, and we're glad to have... Barbie Tope to be with us. Her husband, Greg, is with us. Uh, They attend First Methodist here in town. Glad that she can just come into a strange place and just sit down and go at it. So I know you'll want to share with her uh, your appreciation before we do that, uh, before we get out of here today. The Old Rugged Cross is the hymn that was selected by a member of the congregation as our favorite hymn today. Uh, Whether it fits into anything or not, it fits into our hearts. And uh, so... That's why we do these things. We're going to sing that first in that fourth verse. We let you remain seated as we do that first and fourth of the old rugged cross.
521 on Jordan, stormy banks I stand, the first and the second verse. And then, of course, you're pretty familiar in that when we get to that chorus, uh, seek you first, we're going to do it a little bit differently. How many have ever done the descant to that? It has like a hallelujah part. Some of you have. I see a couple of hands here and there. And the choir hasn't. Either, so we're in all in good shape. Uh, so we're going to do that as the third verse. So that's a little different. And it's going to be that. If you don't want to sing that, don't do that. Just listen to us. And then on that last time, which will be the fourth time through it, we'll let you sing that first verse again or that descant part, whichever way you want to do it. And be a little bit spontaneous, as they say. Uh, in that area, but we want you to be, sing with us when we get to that part, because you do know that chorus. So first on Jordan Stormy Banks, 521, and then that chorus. Let's stand. Come uh-huh. 
blessings that you have given us, the blessings that we've had of this time this summer, and the blessings to come. Thank you for your love. Help us to spread your love to those around us. Help us to share what we have with those around us. Amen. Oh. Wow. 
message that is, uh, that we'd rather have Jesus than anything. Our scripture lesson for today can be found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. 
But Jesus said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of God. I want to give you a quiz this morning to see how up you are on your entertainment knowledge. There was a a famous line from a movie from more than 20 years ago, and the line goes like this. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Anybody tell me what movie that came from? Wall Street. You got it. You remember that line? It was a popular 1980s film called Wall Street. The uh, story revolves around an ambitious young stockbroker played by Charlie Sheen and his ruthless, greedy mentor played by Michael Douglas. And Douglas's character, Gordon Gecko, involves this young stockbroker in an illegal insider trader scheme, trading scheme that ultimately led to the young fellow's downfall. The movie reveals the consequences of greed, lust, lying, and cheating. And the most famous scene in this movie occurs when Gecko is addressing a stockbroker's meeting of the Teldar Paper Company, a company that he has just taken over, by the way. And he is about to save the company by downsizing it which, of course, is a euphemism for getting rid of many longtime employees. As he addresses the stockholders, he says this. He says, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right, he says. Greed works. Greed clarifies. Greed cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, greed for money, greed for love or knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar Paper Company, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Now, here is the irony of the movie Wall Street. Because, you see, Gordon Gecko was supposed to be the villain in this movie. But instead, we are told that he has become a source of inspiration for countless numbers of young investment bankers. 
In fact, it has been suggested that the movie Wall Street turned out to be a a most effective recruitment tool for the investment banking industry. Thousands of young people suddenly wanted to become Gordon Gecko. By the way, his name, his last name may be suggestive. A gecko, of course, is a lizard, not to be confused with a certain insurance company. But it's a lizard, a reptile in the same family as a snake, the sort of creature that tempted Adam and Eve. My friends, even on Wall Street, most people will tell you that if greed is your ultimate value, you will eventually pay the price. Stock market guru Jim Cramer says bulls make money. Then he adds bears make money. And then he comes to the punchline, but pigs get slaughtered. Bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs get slaughtered. And what he's trying to say here is beware of being a pig. Beware of being greedy when you are investing in the stock market, because it is very possible to overreach and lose everything you have. And Jesus basically said the same thing. He told a parable saying the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And so he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years to come. Take life easy. Relax. Eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. And then who's, who, who will get what you have pre- prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Well, Jesus didn't say it quite as indelicately as Jim Cramer did. But the message is pretty much the same. Greed can be your undoing. Pigs get slaughtered. Dr. Jerry Tankersley gives an excellent example of this principle. You may remember a few years back when the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, Alan Greenspan, was warning us of irrational exuberance in the stock market. And then the bubble burst, particularly in the tech sector. And in a a very short period of time, the stock markets were down to levels that they had had not been in for many, many years. There was an article in a magazine that described what had happened to a number of people who had participated in a, a new vocation that suddenly materialized in our society. These people called themselves day traders. You remember that term? You don't hear very much about them these days, but for a while there, there were a lot of people doing it. And all day, these day traders would make their money by sitting in front of a computer terminal, just trading stocks one right after another, buying and selling with might buy a stock now and sell it again an hour later. Some even quit their jobs to devote their their full time efforts to this endeavor. 
Some people leveraged their houses and all of their savings in order to buy stocks that were that were soaring to new heights. And this was working well for a while because the stock market was taking off and off and off. One particular man stood out in this article. He had a wife and three children. They were very involved in their church, their community. In fact, this man even taught an adult Sunday school class. And for a while, he watched as his investments grew by leaps and bounds. And and then he got the idea to cash in his life insurance policies and use the proceeds to buy even more stock. And sure enough, in no time at all, he had doubled his family's assets. And now he was really hooked. He decided to quit his job and to make his millions by trading stocks so that his family could spend the rest of their lives free from financial woes. Then the article says that his wife intervened just in the nick of time. He did not leave his position at Lockheed Martin and his day trading escapades ended abruptly. We see the stock market began to tumble and he watched helplessly as his assets dwindled to less than they had been before he started. In the article, he confided this. He said, greed had nearly consumed me. I actually teach about this stuff in my church, but I couldn't see it growing inside of me. I was not aware of how far off track I had gotten. Luckily, my wife shook some sense into me before I put all put at risk everything that we saved. Pigs get slaughtered said Jim Cramer. But even more importantly, God says to the one who is ensnared by greed, you fool, this, mer- this very night your life will be demanded from you and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? The love of money can destroy your soul. And there are a lot of people who need to hear this. I mean, let's face it, as a society, we are fascinated with people of wealth. We flatter people that are wealthy. They are as much celebrities in our society as are our sports heroes or our our movie stars. And we're not alone in this, of course. This is a worldwide thing. I heard about a a wealthy American textile buyer who was in a meeting in in Seoul, Korea. He was speaking to the group through uh, an interpreter, and he told a lengthy story, a lengthy anecdote. And when his translator repeated repeated it, it it just took a few phrases, a few phrases to uh, uh, interpret this long anecdote. And when he finished, the audience laughed and laughed and broke into applause. And and so the rich American asked the translator how he was able to translate this long story in just a few words. And the translator said, oh, it was no problem. I told them rich American with big checkbook has told a joke. Do what you think is appropriate. (laughs) And so they laughed. Yes, we are fascinated By people of great wealth, whether it's Donald Trump or Oprah Winfrey or Bill Gates or Paris Hilton. 
But folks, let me tell you something. If you don't watch it, greed can destroy your soul. I've mentioned it before, but it's true. Studies show that the more money people have, the less they give to God and the less likely they are to help others. Fact is that greed gets its tentacles around our hearts and and it makes us somehow tune out much of what the gospel has to say. Some of you may be familiar with an old story about a church that was celebrating Stewardship Sunday, which many churches do from time to time. And and uh, you know that in some of these uh, situations, people will give testimonies. And so the richest man in town volunteered to give a testimony and share his thoughts with the congregation about giving to the Lord. And so he strutted up to the pulpit and he announced proudly, I might add, I am a millionaire. And then he said, I credit my wealth to the rich blessings of God. It all started with a moment of faith. I had just earned my first dollar and I went to church that evening with that one dollar bill folded up into my pocket. And the speaker was a missionary that night who told us about his work. The man continued, I only had that one dollar and I had to give it all to God's work or give nothing at all. And so at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to God. And I believe that God blessed that choice to give him all I had. And that's why I'm a wealthy man today. Well, there was an awed silence in the church as this millionaire swaggered back to his seat. But as he settled into his seat, an elderly woman sitting close to him leaned over and whispered in a voice loudly enough for most to hear, I dare you to do it again. (laughs) You know, it's somehow easier if all you have in the world is one dollar to give it to God. It's easier to do that than it is to give a million dollars, isn't it? It's somehow easier to give one-tenth of $20,000 to God's work than it is to give one-tenth of $200,000. Even though the person who has $200,000 will have 180000 left. And the person who has 20000 will only have $18,000 left. Folks, it can be demonic. It's the snake. Or should I say the gecko? Whispering in our ear all over again, you deserve the good life. You deserve to drive that fancy, new, luxurious car and to clothe yourself in diamonds and jewels. Greed is good. Now, I enjoy nice things as much as anybody else. But we need to listen to our Lord's warning here. Because the love of money is pulling more people away from God's kingdom life than any other force in our society. I mean, think about it. 
The love of money is the number one cause of divorce in our society today. That's what marriage counselors tell us. Money is the number one issue in broken marriages. And I'm not saying that money's all bad. Don't hear me saying that. The fact is that we need money. It takes money to survive in our society. There, there are a lot of positive things that money can do for us. It can give us a, a comfortable home to live in, live in and a reliable car to drive and access to education and health care and all the physical necessities of life. So this is not a sermon against money. Don't hear that. But it's when the desire to have more money becomes the driving force of our lives. When it dominates our thoughts and causes us to neglect our responsibilities to our family and to our God, then money becomes not only a problem, it becomes our God. At that point, we are worshiping mammon and not God. And my friends, there are a lot of people who, in our society today who are walking very close to that line that separates the worshipers of God from the worshipers of mammon. Robert Fulgham is the author of the best-known, uh, best-selling book titled All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's a great little book. Uh, more than 15, listen to this, folks, more than 15 million Copies of this book are in print, and they're sold all around the world. Needless to say, he's done very well financially. But there was an interview with him uh, several years ago in a Christian magazine called The Door. Fulgham reported that since his success, people are always saying, you must live in a big house and drive a fancy car. And he responds, no, I have the same house. I drive the same car and the same friends and the same wife. Now, Fulgham admits to being on guard against all kinds of greed all the time. But he is committed to serving God and not money. But of course, fame is a challenge. Fulgham says that the challenge is to be a good steward with this kind of authority and power, especially with economics. And so one year he did a book tour and used it to raise $670,000 for a number of good causes. I don't think I should be given extra credit for doing that, he says. I think you should think ill of me if I didn't do it. And death doesn't scare Fulgham. In fact, in one of his books, there's a picture of a of the grave that he's already picked out for himself. And he likes to visit it from time to time. And I know that some of you probably have your, your grave site picked out and paid for, but let me ask you, do you ever go visit it? Probably not. But he likes to go visit the grave that he's already picked out for himself. And, and the reason he likes to visit it is that it reminds him to live for the goal of laying up for himself treasures in heaven. And not on earth. And when Fulgham sees this grave, he says to himself, don't get lost here on earth. Know where you're going. And folks, that's some good advice for all of us today. 
Now, I don't know if he learned that in kindergarten or not, but I suspect that he probably learned it in church. Because, folks, it is so easy to get lost when we are prospering. A lot of people have. But how about you? Where are you going? Have you laid up treasures in heaven or or are you focusing more on the treasures here on earth? Jesus told about this rich man who built bigger and bigger barns, but God came to him and said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. The point that I'm trying to make here, it's a matter of focus. Don't neglect taking care of your needs here on earth. Don't do that. You need to provide for yourself. You need to provide for your food and your shelter and your retirement and your education and your health care. You need to do all this, all these things. But the warning that Jesus is giving here is don't get so wrapped up in this that you neglect your responsibilities to God's kingdom life and to your neighbor. And that's what it means to be rich towards God. Or as the scripture says elsewhere, to store up your treasures in heaven. By loving God. By loving your neighbor. And putting your focus on the right things. And so my prayer for all of us today is this. May God continually remind us of what is really eternally important. And may we store our treasures where where they will have eternal blessings. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment, number 519, face to face with Christ my Savior. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to accept Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. Perhaps you've realized that I've been putting my emphasis in the wrong place and my focus in the wrong place and more on my earthly possessions than I have been on my relationship with God and my relationship with my family and friends and neighbors and those who need me. Perhaps you need to get your focus right and accept Christ today or to turn to Him and accept the ways of God's kingdom. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come and share that with us. We invite you to come and unite with our church to make a profession of faith in Christ as we sing together 519 face to face with Christ my Savior. Would you come?
let us turn to the Lord and receive God's blessings. In this world of confusion, God will guide our steps. When we stumble and fall, God will lift us up. When we are too tired to take another step, God will carry us and give us strength. Blessed be the Lord our God, the Holy One who is in our midst. Amen.